The following conversation is intended for mature audiences only. Those under the age of 18 or without a sense of humor, listener discretion is advised. There are all sorts of ways in which we love to do this. Welcome to the Mate Date Show with Jay and Bray as usual on the mic. Brayden, welcome as usual. On a scale from hungry ghosts to jealous god, how are you feeling today? <laughs> Is it the, uh, the polar opposites, are they? Uh, well, I suppose. Uh, I'm feeling yeah. a little hungry ghosty myself, if I were to be honest. But, you know, you've got to try to get to, to the fill? gods. you got a void to fill, do you? Oh, you yeah, there's, there's always a void, isn't there? And that's, yeah. uh, that's the problem. Constant craving. Yeah, Great. wow. Yes, yes, that indeed. This is uh, illuminating what we're about to be talking about, which is uh, the Buddhism speak. That's right. We'll be talking about Buddhist yes. philosophy this episode, particularly in the second half, so stick around for that good yes. stuff. Uh, we'll be talking about the wheel of life, as it's called colloquially, or the wheel of yeah. becoming, I think, as well, or if you're as nerdy as you'd like, samsara in the Sanskrit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cycle. I know, I studied up, my friend. Um, yeah, so wow. that's going to be fun. Stick around for that. But I suppose in the first, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done one of these. Lots has gone on. And yes, last week was Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Brayden, for the last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we, we weren't present for all the mums out there, but yes. know, we're still thinking of you. Our major audience. <laughs> all the mums. Yes. Well, you know, that's the thing, right? Like, everyone has a mum in their life, and one form or another. And even if not, they're not particularly present anymore, Mother Nature is still there for us. So, Mother you know, Nature is mother to all. Mother to all, yes. Because the world cannot exist without our feminine counterpart. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Who's the feminine pair in this in this kind of relationship? Who's the- I, I, I don't know. I think, I'd like to think that you wear the pants. So oh, that would okay. Just- you see, yeah. that's funny. I would have said I was the feminine. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> maybe we're both the, you know, good cop, bad cop. Maybe we're both the good cops. Who knows? Yeah, that, a, that'd be ideal. A pair of yeah. good cops. Yeah, pair, just a pair of donut-eating cops that just want to, you know, <laughs> make the world a little less brighter while not killing black people, right? Just like any cop should. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not that hard. But uh, <laughs> just don't be a racist and, you know, work out. That, that's the weird thing about, like, policemen mm. when they're physically unfit. It's like, sh- shouldn't that be the, the very minimum standard is that this person is at least fit enough, both physically and mentally, such that they won't just panic because they're physiologically just so out of whack because they just had sugar for lunch and that that's going to make them <laughs> right do you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah no that's it man like whatever we consume um it's so interesting like that actually affects so much of our oh yeah um day to day our like our moment to moment even and the quality of our thoughts you know when we breathe 
oxygen goes into our body and mixes with what we've just consumed, whether it be a drink or food or, you know, and if that's sugar, then we're kind of like breathing out in a way, we're, we're like breathing out sugar. And, and so that's right. what we're kind of expressing into the world. Okay. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like it's, and yeah. it's like, you just have a hunger for it. That's almost ghostly, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, the, you know, um, we're, we're talking about the wheel of life, but we haven't like fully gone into it. As no, yet, we'll say that. We'll say just that. the precursor. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, it's probably news to a lot of people. It's probably, you know, fresh information that, has never been revealed to them before and they're yeah just been frolicking through the realms and calling it life and it is but not realizing where the realms stop and start in a way now yeah that's true and and hopefully like if you are you've never even gone into buddhist philosophy at all and you're listening to this then hopefully that's that's good right because yeah you're exactly right like not everyone is exposed to it and that's right i mean i for a long time as well just because you sort of put up your own walls, don't you? You sort of think, oh, that's just new age bullshit, or it's like, you know, it's, but once you start to consider that there is a different module, there's a metaphorical sense in which you can consider these ideas, you don't have to roll your eyes the second someone says reincarnation, which that was me for a very long time, I'm happy to admit that. Yeah. Because you need to develop a, a muscle to, to see it properly. I was going to ask you about that because I brought Elon Musk up the uh, last episode because he had this Twitter thing and that's right he talked a little more about how he felt and so I'm wondering do you have like more to say about that now because I kind of spoke about it mostly last time what's what's your thoughts on Elon Musk's approach to the it, it's interesting right he's, he's a very industrial kind of man you know keep the cogs moving things have to be done and made and look and that kind of just you know his uh, philosophy is shining through there uh, with how he's able to get so many things done in like one day you know for Elon Musk uh, a, a normal day is like 56 hours but for all of us uh, kind of muggles <laughs> our, our normal people normies we just have to deal with our 24 hour day and yeah it's it's amazing how he's able to kind of stretch that out and it's really evident to me that um, this lockdown has really tested his philosophy here like, he wants to just keep being productive and keep moving. He didn't actually speak on um, all his, like, getting cabin fever with his kids, which I thought he was. You know, mm. th it's kind of interesting, right? Because yeah. we had these kind of um, hypotheses before the episode even went live, and we didn't even know that they were going to have an episode together. I, like, yeah, it was you? Actually, it was a real was surprise. No, yeah, it was just dropped kind of Very randomly. Spontaneous. Yeah, and he didn't uh, smoke a blunt this time. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, they didn't even drink, right? Like, uh, no, I they were drinking. I, they were drinking. Oh yeah, most yeah. of it, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he was going into how. I mean, yeah. The that aside, he was going into like how food is like one of the best things in the world. So it's like, yeah, I mean, don't be ashamed. You know, you can indulge. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely. Um, so what did you think about the way people reacted to like what he's saying? Because. I'm actually seeing it when people sort of hear Joe Rogan now, because if you would do, you know, you listen to that program, he's taken a much more, you might say, uh, you know, libertarian approach now. In that, after California now is now called for lockdown to continue uh, up, up for up to at least three more months, but also some officials are saying until there's a vaccine or until there's a cure. So you know, that's very dramatic uh, kind of rhetoric. And I don't know, what's mm. your, what, what do you think? Uh, people are reacting to that with a lot of malice 
and a lot of like just shut your mouth and and how dare you and i even saw like some comments that were sort of taken you know actually no, this was the funny thing do you, are you aware of the subreddit murdered by words have you seen no that? no it's basically I... like a subreddit where people just po- post screenshots of someone taking someone down like someone said someone said something uh... stupid in the first post op and then someone responds to op with like a massive takedown and they're murdered with words <laughs> and... keyboard warriors this oh, is where yes. all, they all reside huh <laughs> it's exactly right keyboard warrior samurai to the end and they basically you know oh, at the top of the subreddit i think this was yesterday there was a uh, like someone did this murdered with word takedown basically saying to the op who posed the question why don't you do your own research about corona things and and why don't you try to you know the classic about like do your own research don't just listen to what what they say and the murdered with word comment that was being uh, lauded and applauded was a basically full paragraph of text saying that is exactly the wrong attitude. You need to pay attention to the CDC because how could I do my own research when they have billions of dollars doing the research? Like they're the experts. You have to trust them. That's the intellectual position. That's the. And I read this, and I and this had sixteen thousand upvotes or whatever. And I read this, and I just thought, but the CDC said don't wear masks. <laughs> so what are you talking about? On top of that, it's like we don't really know the intricacies of the Californian law on COVID. You know, because everything. What it was what it was, and now all the states have taken a different approach, right? Exactly. Um, So with Elon in California, he's saying that not even the dentists are open. Dentists, doctors, you know, things. And he's saying if there's if they're not open and they're not like operating surgeries, surgeries. He said dentists. I I can't believe that. Like here in Australia, we have our essentials open. But over there, it sounds like a, a lot more stricter of a lockdown. So it I can was, see his yeah. point. I can see, I can definitely, I'm, maybe I'm playing good cop here at, at the moment. But, you know, I can see his point that if they're not open, then everything kind of stops and we begin to deteriorate, right? If we're mm-hmm. not progressing, then we're regressing. You can, Like, there's just no kind of middle ground. Um, so that, I think that's the essence of his argument. But, and... I actually didn't know that, so I'm actually on, on his side right. in this, that some things actually should be open, um, especially for those essential services. Yeah. Because, like, he makes a good point. Food doesn't just magically appear out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, there are hard-working men and women behind the scenes. It doesn't grow in the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you can keep them open. But you're also going to keep all the other, uh, like, compounding factors open, Uh that are related to that, right? Um, so, yeah, but... I don't know, he didn't really speak too much on it. He was very kind of tepid and... and well, so I open. mean, look, the last yeah. time he spoke on the Joe Rogan program, he caused, like, three calamities for himself. So I think he was he was <laughs> trying to be as measured as he could, and even yeah. then, that's enough to... And, and, and yeah, I, I, look, it just confuses me because, again, like, I'm not going to repeat what I said last time. Go listen to that. But I based, the sum of it was just if you accept one aspect of him, that he's this amazing Iron Man. He was, like, compi- I love it because he was he was that figure in our culture. And then all of a sudden now he's the villain. It's like, well, do, do we all just pretend we have amnesia that this guy hasn't done great work in promoting renewable energy, new forms of power, and paving the way in a way that many rich billionaires would not 
have done and taken that risk and he's the and and frankly on some level we forgot to dream and we forgot to keep thinking about what's what's happening tomorrow and what the future holds you know you go to the 50s they have all these amazing art like graphic pieces about like flying cars and the islands and all this future of the, the you know life of tomorrow stuff and that helps people maybe just be more grounded in their present you know experience because they're more attached to their whole journey here they're not just thinking that you know tomorrow is doesn't really exist and i can cheat my neighbor now because who cares right it's just a mm. it's just a doggy dog world and if you don't see that you're a fool right and then and then that mm. becomes your your mindset if you're not thinking about how are we all going to how are we all going to figure this out how, what are we going to do if the earth becomes unsustainable where are we going are we just going to lay down and like well what's the plan right so i think that's you know something yeah. he offers us too that people are just quick to throw away when they're just like well he's saying the wrong opinions so cancel okay okay well fine but just keep in mind that what you're doing is throwing away a resource that the culture could use to massively help us all and because his mind is a resource like like it or not he's and he's, he's so unique that it's like you know you're not going to get another elon musk tomorrow yeah you know it's just these these minds only come once in a generation you've got einstein you've got tesla you've got people newton you've got people that radically transform like their 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 fields whether it be music right the beatles queen michael jackson for all yeah you know and for all those all those people all those you know very um what's it yeah influential people right like they've all said something that has been a little on the nose a little controversial something that you know if you look it seems like the uh vocal minority on twitter and all these people that uh, Mm. feel like they have this kind of voice that's going to tear people down and cancel them um they're they're all slipping into kind of the oldest trick of the book which is the fundamental attribution bias yeah um they look at one tweet that he says oh free america and they start to attribute that tweet to everything and, and you know you they're looking at everything else that he he's doing and does with those with that lens um and that lens is is negative it's toxic and it's it's really not fair at the end of the day like you're not giving him Benefit the ability the to slip up okay you don't really give you're not giving him like because if you, he's just going to go on to joe rogan and speak like a robot which he kind of already does but yeah even more so like he pointed out um, he's really careful with his words and worried that he's going to take, say something wrong that'll, yeah, make him slip up in the stock market um, or puff a joint or whatever. Um, well, let, let me, can I ask you this? Like, what do you think it's anything to do with our impulse to want to serve and obey? Like, in, in the absence of religion being everywhere, like it was, you know, not even 100, 200 years ago because we know yes. too much about the natural world. Do you think because we've lost that aspect of servility in our lives that now we've kind of transferred that to government or bureaucracy? And so when someone speaks out against our bureaucracy, they're kind of violating a divine dogma, right? If, if you say, if Elon Musk says it's time to open up, you're violating like an like something that is so panic-inducing. So what do, you, what do you think that is maybe part of a larger trend or is there something to that? Yeah, well, 
because you mentioned religion, yeah, and like how it had a very, uh, very much a powerful impact on the way we carry out and live our lives. For better or for worse, religion was giving people uh, more of a sense of identity, and without that, so much, uh, without it being so prevalent now, you kind of see what you're saying is, is this um, through line, this trend of um, where we should be, and those people who are like testing that, testing the waters, they're rocking that boat. It's yeah, they're the pathogens, they're, they're the people we need to shut up. Yeah. Um, and that's what breeds cancel culture, right? Like yeah, that's yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's kind of like he's saying something that's against or opposing this. Um, I don't even know what you would call it. Yeah, this like kind of trend, this this mindset that we seem to have all accepted and sanctioned. Yeah, just recently but, too, because like we used to celebrate Mavericks. We used to like Michael yeah. Jordan. You know, what is he but a person who breaks the foundation of something and shows everyone else how to do it differently? And you have those people in all aspects of life. And what I'm saying is, like, exactly what you just said, you know, this is why cancel culture exists, but you, you don't... You can hear a view without reacting to it. You can digest it. You can play with it. You can disagree. Yeah. With it, you can respond to it. You don't have to have this idea that words are violence. If you're, if you're on that level, then you're actually... I'm sorry, but that's sort of sick because it just it makes you incapable of hearing opposing views, and it convinces you of the delusion that you're right all the time, which is like the most poisonous, as you said, the fundamental attribution error. That is it at its core: is that everything that I do is okay, and I I forgive it, even the vile, even the things that I do that are bad, I allow them because I'm just you know a product of my uh, environment, so it's it's not my fault. But when other people do it, it's because of their essential corrupt poisonous toxic nature and they need yeah. to be exterminated it's like <laughs> how could you be so like you're not like and and what what that is is you know to give a little flavor of the buddhism where we're going that's responding to the mental image of the person not the person itself you're you're responding to mm. as you said a reflection of their own disgust and their own uh, their own aversion to the idea being put forth yeah what you said about just being able to hear something that you inherently disagree with, but not retorting to that is, is you know, uh, to go back on Aristotle, he says, the mark of an educated mind is to be able to entertain an, a thought without accepting it, right? Right. And that to me is just so, it's almost human, right? That's such a human quality of just being able to hear something and go, huh, that's, you know out there and I wouldn't thought wouldn't think of it myself but the fact that I'm hearing it is valuable in itself right like yeah anything that can shake the status quo might be beneficial might be what we essentially need in yeah. order to progress and advance and to become one man I mean that's what it's all about right like unifying and um, even though we despite all our differences Christopher Hitchens used to use Socrates in this way too in that you know the mark of an uneducated man is also someone that is not aware of his own ignorance it's it's the fact that education mm. begins when you discover the capacity within your mind to notice ignorance to solve it in a way that is more like a puzzle someone doesn't murder someone necessarily because they're essentially evil sinful 
demons sent from the gods. No, that's a there's an element of that where if that person was abused from a very young age or they had some mental health issue that we can look at their brain and see a tumor pressing on their amygdala. There's all sorts of different ways to see human beings and if you only see them as essential things which can be uh, sinister then you're sort of trapped aren't you? you you can't you can't mentally break out of that for your own benefit mm. you culti- it's all about cultivating compassion there yes. and yeah. like going on to free will as well it's like um the di- like the difference between acting on a thought and ignoring one is a thought in itself, right? It's like this kind of justification. It's this ra- rationalization, and that's just another thought. So, should we really condemn people for thinking? Like yeah. at the end of the day, right? Like it's just how do you blame anyone when it can all be boiled down to just thoughts? Right, and thinking, and like being allowed to think out loud, like that seems like what we're on some level condemning. Is like, no, you're not allowed to. Yeah, and, and what what is that? What is that actually encouraging? It's I don't encouraging know. Encouraging a, a robot culture, servile it's, drones. Yeah, yeah. Would, yeah, exactly. Can we just take a moment to step back and celebrate humanity? I mean, that that sounds to me to kind of break out of that spell of. No, it is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right, and I think uh, we shouldn't be marching down the streets in in rows of four and like they do in like they do in the dictatorship countries. Uh, that's on some level the basis of like freedom is is being able to say maybe I have a better idea or maybe you're not seeing it clearly, and I should be able to say that without fear of you know complete decimation socially or physically, right? Um, yeah. It seems like we've just gotten so used to, and I, I agree with you, the Twitter is a minority. I think it's something like the, the statistic is 0.2% of Twitter is responsible for like 98% of tweets. So it's just a crazy, but the problem is that journalists pay attention to it and they report stories on it. And so you get a wave of stories about how, you know, Elon Musk is this, you know, villain now. And it's like, all right, well, okay, yeah. sure. You, you were all, you were all, you know giving him, filleting him, you know, for weeks for sure. Okay, when he was doing the space stuff, you were loving it. But uh, but let's get off this now. I think we've, we've said, you know, uh, everything that we need to say there. I think that's uh, that, about, that about covers it. Do you want to take a break and then we'll get into the wheel of life? Oh, yeah, let's get this wheel moving. mate dates in this segment of the show we alluded to i think we're a bit too excited because hopefully uh you didn't find us too insufferable in the first segment when we're giving our take on uh what's going on now but this is honestly going to be a palate cleanser because this is much more interesting stuff this is buddhist philosophy we'll be talking about in this segment 
And, you know, we're going to be talking about the Buddhist metaphysics, so the way they see the world, the way they see the life beyond the physical realm. And this is captured in their metaphor of a wheel, sometimes called the wheel of life, sometimes called the wheel of uh, becoming, and will be mm. informed by this mostly by David Nickturn's book, which is called uh, Awakening from the Dream. So uh, I think we both recommend that. We're going to go through each of the realms using his uh, expertise mainly. We're both not experts on Buddhism, but I don't know about you, but every time I go to Buddhism, I find like so much useful stuff, and I'm just a fan, so I, I can't help but have it inform a lot of my worldview and, and how I think about things. Is it the same for you? Are you as mm. interested in, in how they sort oh. of see the world? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the first kind of take you have on it, um, coming from a Western perspective, is kind of knee-jerk. Oh, that's, you know, I'm not Indian or Japanese. I, I Surely I can't understand this, but, you know, uh, yeah, every time I peek into this world of, of Buddhism... I'm, I'm immediately just in awe of how accurate it is to the human condition. Um, right. And, you know, yeah, what is beyond the physical. Right, oh. and anyone mm. can understand that. You don't need to have any degree. You don't need to have any ridiculous accreditation. It's just the human condition. And I agree. I think uh, once you start to see Buddhism not necessarily as a religion because it's thrown into that bin, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, to me, I much more see it as a philosophy in the spirit of the Greeks in that they their philosophy, philosophy as a term in the ancient Greek society would have more meant to how like how to live, not like... You know, yeah. what is the conditions of a table or something like that? And that is more the metaphysics that I enjoy, which is more, maybe more metaphorical to some people. And, I, and look, let's just make sure we lose everyone that needs to be lost. If you're still this type of person that needs everything to be, you know, you're like me when I heard reincarnation rolled my eyes, all I could say is try to step out of the literal, try to step out of the merely rational intellectual module not to say that you don't have to now believe that the earth is flat, right? Mm. Don't You don't have to lose your mind so deeply that it falls out of your head. But there are many, <laughs> there are many concepts that if you're able to access, the, at least on a metaphorical level, if you're able to channel the more metaphorical module of your mind, there is a way in which people have been having insights about the human mind for so long and buddhism goes back at least 2500 years and so you can imagine a science of the mind that's been going on for 2500 years yes it's had its complications and dogmas and but 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 clearly when it comes to as you said the psychological human condition aspect of their discussion of their discourse there's a lot to be said and and i as i said Every time I go back, I get so much from it for just the like the bang for your buck in terms of Buddhist philosophy, I think is very high. You can read mm. just very sort of a few pages because the ideas are so rich once you start to indulge and investigate them in your own laboratory of your life, right? Definitely. I, I think it's so appealing as well to people like us who have been brought up in a privileged white household and um and you know who haven't been fully devoted to the christian way of life so you know like that's kind of the default from where we're from and yeah, yeah. if if that isn't jiving with you then 
you kind of... And it kind of speaks to the fact that we all need to believe in something. We all need to have a philosophy in order to live the examined life, in order to progress and grow and to, to develop and have a and, and leave a, a lasting legacy and a, a nice footprint on the world when it's our turn to go. Mm. Well put. Well, yeah. but also, do you think that, well, I didn't know we were going to go here, but part of, I think, becoming interested in spirituality and religious matters is being able to see how a lot of what's being said is being, like a lot of what's being said in many traditions across them all is the same thing, but in different language, but, but in different, is the same thing, but in different languages. Do you know what I mean? It, it does seem that way. Yeah. There's kind of this, you know, love thy neighbor. So, so you don't you don't it. have to get attached to any one thing. You don't have to be a Christian or a what or a Buddhist. That's true. You can just yeah. you can just read it all and integrate your own like the 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 classic. You said this. I think it was Bruce Lee, but the, you know the integrate what you what works, discard what yeah. doesn't, and then find your own way. You could just treat it as right. your own enterprise in developing your spiritual potential. If that you know phrase means anything. Yeah, I, I love that because. Uh, I feel like once you put a label on it, you're limited as well. You've you've kind of just ruined it, and it, it's the same with like an idea, right? If you were to just kind of describe this powerful idea to someone that you think uh, is going to uh, transform into something brilliant and just impactful, it's um, you, you kind of ruin it in that moment just by talking about it. Um, so yeah, like it's almost like labels should be slipping away. They should because mm. what we all are, yeah. even um, self-proclaiming Christians, aren't truly Christian to the sense of the word. Um, they they pick and choose what they like, and they go, oh, I, I I choose a lot of things from Christianity, so therefore I'm a Christian. But in reality, um, you're kind of spitting in the face of the origin, like from where it was yeah. birthed and you know just because it changes over time um yeah i don't know I, which I don't, is actually I don't you're that. absolutely right it's actually a leg up that the buddhists have too because they always emphasize that this is to be done this is a transformation that you have it's not it's not anything that is rigidly bound by text or and, and actually well it's not entirely true in some traditions it is but there are many traditions in buddhism that emphasize the individual spiritual path as opposed to the religious institution of what's happening i mean you need the institution to get people to group and to form temples and things like this but you don't necessarily need to rely on the institution for your own spiritual path that's for you to discover that's for you to walk so let's just get into it then so we're talking about the wheel of life there are six realms and as i said before if, if you're too disturbed by the idea of these being literal nick turn even points out in his book that there is a way in which you could see these as psychological states, states yes. of consciousness, and you could even see them as being emotional expressions of the human ego to some extent. And you could even have, you know, all the realms, you could go from top to bottom and back again within a couple seconds, right? That's, that's how flexible this is meant to be seen. So reincarnation, as described by the Buddhist wheel of life, is could be more seen not that I've you know I've behaved badly so I'm going to be 
a pig and I've behaved good so I'm going to be a bird or something, you could more see it as my mental capacity to be aware is reincarnating in different ways. And so sometimes I am jealous or sometimes I feel content, but I don't really have control over it and it's always transforming and it's happening all the time. And, and each of these states, I should also state just by way of introducing our listeners, they're supposed to, they're supposed to be impermanent and they always that's why the wheel is the best metaphor here because it's constantly turning you're never trapped in a realm for you know forever so what's your picture of how the realms come together and uh, how do you see the the picture here of the the buddhist metaphysics yeah so the realms uh they all impact our lives in different ways subjectively but they're all because we we place our own beliefs and past experiences onto them so inherently our realm experience is going to be different from person to person but there is kind of this uh overlying overarching theme or trend that the realms uh suggest so with each of the realms it seems to me that it is the basis of every human experience mm-hmm. that we are familiar with um i'm sure all of us can attest to a time that we were in complete awe and complete bliss and times that we felt like it was the worst day of our lives i mean this is all very common and yes yeah to a lot of us we don't really know how to identify that we just say it was a good or a bad day and that's kind of the end of it and you know you can chalk it up to the universe is out to get me or you can say, oh, the other side of that is, well, that's just the nature of life, right? And that's kind of the approach that Buddhism takes. It says, this is the way it has to be, because it can't be any other way. Right. Right? In order to experience a good day, you have to have a bad day. And, and you know, Taoism Dao, comes into that. Uh, yes. Yin yang. Yeah. So you, you can't have a yin without the yang. That's basically that, right? So if you've ever heard of, everyone's heard of yin yang, I'm sure. <laughs> it's funny because that you know everyone has exactly right but yet there's a sense in which it becomes a cliche and you know you can be stuck in the mental space of oh it's just a cliche but you know what's transfixed my mind more more when I've developed my I think my capacity to see these questions more deeply is why is it a cliche to begin with like where does the cliche come from oh it comes from <laughs> the fact that there is a you know what I'm saying there's a there's a deeper yeah truth to the cliche that when you see it when you see that as you said once you see it clearly right once you see it without once you see your bad day without all the other stuff that you're putting on it it's just a bad day (laughs) and 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 that's right so let's talk about perhaps do you want to start from the good days first how about we start with the gods shall we the gods yeah we just go top to bottom right as as presented in the book let's do it Uh, so we got the gods realm and the gods realm and again, think of these as modules, if you need to think of it like that, psychological modules of mind. Mm-hmm. We've got the yeah. God Realm. The God mm-hmm. Realm is essentially the space where you're really satisfied, you're, you're full of pleasure, most of your environment, you've got everything you need. You know, I believe the metaphor Nick Turn uses is going to the supermarket, right? Because really, for the for, if you took a caveman oh, and put yeah. him in, in a supermarket... <laughs> Like, they would lose their mind. Their head would explode, right? We're so used to the fact that 
all of the goods and not even just goods but delicacies ice cream chocolate like all this stuff is just waiting there to be ravi- like ravaged and enjoyed um, and like 52 ways to enjoy chocolate too right like different percentages and there's a caramel swirl in this one and the, this is a top deck with white and dark and you know yeah all the I'm bliss you. that you could possibly desire or need and this is the space that we're in where we're just enjoying it, right? We're just having unencumbered pleasure in all of our experiences. And the neat part about the book as well, we should mention, is that he really does give each realm its due. You know, just because you're in the God's realm doesn't mean it's great all the time. There's a, there's, there are drawbacks to that. And likewise, just because you're in the hell realm doesn't mean there aren't some benefits to that doesn't mean there doesn't mean you're not seeing something clearly in one aspect so he he gives the devil his due because he doesn't demonize any mental states that we go through he just tries to explain it the best he can and so that being said one of the problems with being in our you might say our blissed out states is that we become so attached to not only the mental states, not only the thoughts that provoke those emotions and those states of consciousness, but we also become, you might even say, violently attached to the things in our environment which produce and induce those god-like states of mind. And so I wonder, what's your take on that? Does that seem true to you uh, in terms of sort of suffering generated through over-attachment to one's vices? I suppose we can all relate to that to some degree, right? Definitely. I mean, you know, you, and and just to kind of premise this, like there's that other book, um, Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright. Yes. And he is a evolutionary scientist of some sort. I, look, I, I'm totally butchering that, but he, he I think used he's, Buddhism. Uh, I think he's a, a journalist primarily. Um, yes. With, yeah, with he, an interest in yes, yeah, like, exactly. evolution, yeah. So he he um he he filters Buddhism through this natural selection viewpoint, which I I definitely love. Like that way, it, it kind of reinforces and makes more sense to me. So yeah. with with the God realm, for instance, you kind of think, well, our minds have been designed and and encoded in a way that. We, we see pleasure, we, we experience it once, and uh, the next day when we're feeling down, we do it again. That thing brought us pleasure the first time around, so it only makes sense to our monkey minds that we would go ahead and do that once more. And it's, and I'm sure, yeah, exactly, like, with that, we've all been down the rabbit hole of seeking pleasure um, with the with a blind side being blindsided to the downfalls yeah. so we chase that high of could be a drug and most likely it is but you could even view drugs in the sense that it's it's like um an experience because drugs just alter the state of consciousness so if you're having this experience of sex pleasure um food like just the most kind of basic um natural pleasures but when we seek that to the end we kind of see the downside of that um yeah that's but right with the, with the god realm the god realm encourages us to bury our heads deeper into that pleasure to drown out the sound of you know that the these thoughts of you're going to regret this or you're right. going yeah you're going to be reaping the 
the um, negative side of this. So, yeah, actually, I wanted to give you a quote from Seneca, um, who was you know one of the Stoic philosophers. He puts it quite well um, in one of his essays where he's talking about you know how life is. It's not that life is short; it's that we don't have um, you know. It's not that there's not enough time, it's that we squander most of our time. And he mm. says on that, that you know, topic, he says, You're like mortals in fearing everything. You're like immortals in coveting everything. So he's sort of... Can you at, flesh that out? Yeah, at least, my, well, at least my take of that is that, mm. you know, in terms of, you know, mortality, we, we act like we're so afraid of, you know, it ending and, and it all being taken away that it prevents us from like enjoying what we have like and that's that's the crux of his essays that you know our vices can be swallowed up you know endless lifetimes and there's mm. a way in which the hedonistic treadmill that you were describing becomes its own ravenous endless cycle of just uh, as you said pleasure and pain but pleasure that is unaware of the deeper contentment that comes with just enjoying something without thinking about 10,000 other things about why you shouldn't enjoy it, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that definitely impacts your your pleasurable experience, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I heard this thing, um, you know, if, if if your siblings are, are wanting the bigger portion of cake, or for instance, and you're knowingly receiving a smaller portion of the of the same cake you're going to enjoy it less because in the back of your mind you're going to be thinking they're enjoying it more they're getting more of that and right. so you're thinking about that the entire time you're eating your cake and before you know it, it's gone right and where was that pleasurable experience that's you actually didn't really you didn't really suck it out as you probably could have you know what i mean yeah that's actually a great uh, transition to the jealous god realm and this is the realm in which we have all the pleasures. We have the supermarket and all the indulgences we could like. And yet we end up feeling as if my neighbor has a little more. Or like, it's, it's not fair because I should have, uh, you know, my, my best friend has a Ferrari. And I, I think I'm kind of better than him. So I deserve a Ferrari. It's kind of like this weird thing where you have everything you could possibly want to need. But you're unable to enjoy it because of these Hum very human emotions of jealousy and envy uh, and you know I, I find a lot of harmony here with the ancient Greek stories as well of the gods on Mount Olympus you know they were all consumed by that's what they were they their embodiments at least those stories tell us about how jealousy and envy corrupts us and and prevents us from just enjoying the fact that we're gods for crying out loud we could do whatever <laughs> we, we can do whatever we want and yet we're consumed mm. by these as you said these sort of controlling evolutionary forces and i think even nick turn gives a similar example to the one you gave where he says you know chocolate ice cream is great but it's not as good if your brother has slightly more and, and another example i thought of as well is that if you know if you have siblings and you've ever done a christmas kind of thing with them and maybe your uh, sibling got something pretty cool and you got some socks or some clothes or something you know, you're not gonna be appreciating those clothes. <laughs> you're just not. You're gonna you're gonna be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> because obviously, when you're a kid as well, those rules about equality and and th th those summon, I think, the jealous gods quite vividly for children. Because it does seem cosmically unjust. Where and and it does seem like I shouldn't appreciate my own bowl. It seems like no, it's it's actually 
you know, something's wrong and I, I should have the same amount of ice cream. It's not fair, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And it, it's so interesting, right? Because you give a, a plastic cup of, and he makes his point, plastic cup of ice cream to a homeless person and they might enjoy it more than if you're used to getting the ice cream and you you receive it in, on a silver platter with, you know, the most polished spoons and this, and the homeless person, they're receiving it in a paper cup and they're eating it with their mouths and they're <laughs> receiving 10 times the amount of enjoyment yeah, that yeah. <laughs> the other person is. But yeah, it's a, it's a good point that I think, what, yeah, what you made before, he presents it really well in the sense that there is the problem of the mindset, but he also presents some sort of a solution um, which can help and which is very much in line with the Buddhist practices. Yes. And so, you know, with, with the Jal's God realm, uh, you can't apply impermanence to that like you would with the God realm because, um, as he says, we just if you were to do that, you just fall prey again to the insecurity before you can reap the benefits. Yeah. So in the Jal's God realm, you, you think that, oh, the ice cream, yeah, it's impermanent, it's going to go. But you cl- you you cling on and grasp onto that that just that little bit harder mm. um, when you're inhibiting the jealous god mindset, right? And he also kind of explains how this is not necessarily a bad state of mind to be in if your goal is to one up people. It actually mm-hmm. is, you know, it, it, this is a mindset that will empower you to stay hungry and to sort of be very vividly aware of your social status and want to uh, elevate yourself over others when you think things are unfair for you. He actually gives a, a nice kind of summary of the attitude, I think, that uh, the, that someone might have and sort of highlights why, in, in, a, in a very brief prose here, why it's sort of paradoxically useful but also very sort of lonely and corrupting from their, from the individual's point of view. He says, quote, This is the attitude that someone might have. If the competition doesn't realize the way of the world, too bad for them, and all the better for me. From this perspective, dealing with somebody who was kind and generous is like taking candy from a baby. And so so that's, that's it, right? That's the mindset of, you know, you just don't understand, Sonny. Like, the world is cutthroat, it's dog-eat-dog, zero-sum, yeah. and you just don't understand. And And I love that because it really rationalizes your own capacity to exploit others and just, just use them as a means to your ends. It's like, okay, you can do that, but that... And you might say, <laughs> many people in the current, you know, leadership roles, are, that's all they do, but, th- like, those people are sick on some very basic level. They, they, they don't actually enjoy the fact that you know they're they're in a community they have friends and family and and, and it's not zero sum we can all win it's not it's mm. not the case that you know <laughs> we're not we're not stuck in tribal warfare um, like uh, mm. like maybe we were for a very long time and that could partially perhaps explain why this module exists for us right because on some level it was beneficial to be the person who was cutthroat at all you know no no friends last friends don't last forever so fuck them right you know things like survival that. of the fittest survival of the fittest lord of the yeah. flies exactly but but hey if you've been watching any australian free-to-air tv you'll realize that every other ad is we're all in this together and you know and and, and but that speaks to the bigger picture of covid19 and how we really are all in together <laughs> and some of us are just getting more annoyed than others that we're being reminded of that 
<laughs> we are literally <laughs> all inside together. There's no right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, yeah. man, free to air TV. Have they just lost their minds? Like, like <laughs> this has been like because it's so funny because you know streamers and all that. We've been doing bedroom broadcasts. Like we're we're great at it. Like like young people, I'm talking about gamers and stuff. We know how to do this because we've been doing it for ages. So we know how to do it professionally, make it work. But watching these free to air shows, Channel Ten, Channel Nine, Channel Seven, trying to do broadcasts from their bedroom with their with their talent is just a mess. It's so, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. away all the production value, and then yeah, you may as well just know, put Twitch like, on television. Like all mate. The celebrities just... not wearing makeup or not using their anti aging cream, and then you know you realize Madonna really is like 70, 80 years old. <laughs> anti aging cream. Oh, you're exposing them, mate. It's a very exposing light that they're shining yeah. on themselves, yeah. No doubt. Do yeah. you have anything else you want to say about the Jealous Gods? Jealous Gods... Let's see. Yeah, like, you know, um, the way he says to overcome this realm or, you know, to find peace within this realm. Right. Um, yeah, it's like... It's it's transforming that mentality of it's only... It's, it's clear-cut. It's winners and losers, mate, and I don't want to be a loser, so I'm going to be a winner. And, you know, if they find someone who's showing compassion, they take the candy from the baby, they take that compliment, and they, they feed their ego. And it's like, okay, that's all well and good. You're feeling good in the moment, but surely at the end of the line, you're going to be visiting the hell realm, which we'll be getting down to. That's actually as, a good point you just made. Like, we should mention yeah. the antidote here is generosity it's like compassion that comes from if, if you really are stuck in this mindset and you do find it's preventing you from just enjoying the people in your life the antidote is to stop treating all your pleasures all your material goods as if they're like you know so special start giving it all, like have compassion that's that's why so much of the buddhist sort of anthology involves beggars and people that just hold out their bowl for someone else even when they're starving because as a human capacity it's one of our most basic ways of transcending our own bodily impulse to like you know one up someone else and use use you know the other body as a means to our ends it's just a way of of, of overcoming that very basic impulse to want to to use people in that way which is at its core a very sort of basic but also corrupting impulse you might say yeah it's a very yeah it's not fulfilling in a wholesome sense not for a and, long time no and you know w with this compassion with um all these antidotes that david nickturn presents it kind of seems like it drawing us closer to the human realm right which is the next one up on the list and yeah go there yeah we kind of have this deeper understanding of the the greater picture that we are all in this together and and you, the difference between you and i is really our past experiences is really the way we are the mindset we find ourselves in now and um that colors what we do our actions our behaviors our intent so um Hmm. Yeah, it's it's with bringing us back closer and grounding us to the human realm. Um, we're better able to find and cultivate good karma. Yeah, right. That's a good way of putting it. And karma can be seen again not as 
a sort of balance sheet that the universe is you know tallying up all the things that you're doing so if you masturbate today you're going to be you know get a neg- few negative points it's not like the good place where they you know have a whole point system for you it's it, you could more see it as just your karma is whatever your psychological experience is and and it is linked to your it is linked to the external world in such a way that you can't really explain and so good mm. actions generate good psychological healthy sustainable contentment all these states that we want and you could see that as being good karma and and you could see that as elevating you up the wheel as we descend as you pointed out into the human realm so just to give a brief kind of explanation of what what this is this is kind of a you might say a middle ground uh, to some extent uh, the way nick turn describes it it's a very hard realm to comprehend because as he says quote to become aware of the human realm perspective is like fish trying to see the water in which it swims (laughs) a nice way of putting it and there's a sense of lovely way of putting it and there's a sense of randomness and sort of vacillation in thoughts and emotions we can sort of one minute feel very content and the next minute we're craving something and this is the module that is more you might say driven to some extent by bodily impulses and is a little bit more disoriented and he says here that the opportunity for the human realm is somewhat paradoxical and I I like this because he says quote the drama of the human realm comes from the fact that the potential for enlightenment exists side by side with the comfort of life in samsara in the wheel of becoming and so when we are existing in that in that psychological space sure we could exercise sure we could make something we could create something sure we could have discipline in some way to sort of expose our human potential but man i'd much rather just sit on the couch man i'd much rather (laughs) i'd much rather just lay in bed right that's i think the message i get there is that i don't know i like i think for me you're just describing the animal realm um where it's like you are reacting purely based off stimulus in your environment and um, what feels more comfortable for you um, in terms of avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. Um, to me, the human realm, I mean, that, that's why we want to get back down to the human realm. Uh, and as he, sent, as he says, it, it's kind of the best launch pad into kind of awakening, into um, enlightenment. And um, with the human realm, as opposed to the animal realm, which we'll get onto next, um, you do have that curiosity, you do have that inquisitiveness, um, and you you kind of let that let that guide you. You know, so like uh, here we, we're curious about what makes others tick. You know, even if we don't like them. Um, you know, in the animal realm, if we didn't like someone, we would just stay in bed. We would avoid them. We would do everything at all costs to just. Uh, push them out of our awareness, right? Um, through ignorance, and but uh, to me, the human realm doesn't seem to entertain ignorance so much. It, it seems to want to uh, steer in the other path. I think that's in the right. Opposite direction. I think yeah. that's right. I actually, I think you're you're right because the differences are very subtle, and I think because these are the yep. two middle realms, they sort of yep. bleed into each other. And I think you're right to emphasize that the human realm 
has a, if we put it on a spectrum, a greater capacity for self-reflection, a greater capacity to perhaps generate something of uh, worth in terms of their expression, whether it be creative or otherwise. And, and I think the animal realm is described as being a more reactive place with respect to our biological impulses. I think all of that's true, and I think this is how the Buddhists conceptualize the differences between humans and animals. It's not as if animals have any less claim to existence than humans do, but humans have this reflective capacity um, to, <laughs> to change one's reaction to things, at least in subtle ways. You know, the example that is always given when we talk about, you know, changing your mind in some deep ways that a ship can move, you know, five degrees to the right and maybe initially the difference uh, is very small, but after, you know, right. a lot of time, that change really matters. And so that maybe change is, is kilometers apart. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe in the human realm, we have the capacity to make these subtle changes more than the animal realm. And the differences there are very little. And to get yes. into, uh, do you have anything more you want to say about the, the human realm here? I think I'll just add that I think this is the realm where a lot of creative potential is solidified because, at least in my experience, most of creative work comes from an understanding of paradox and this seems to be the realm where we can balance our paradoxical thoughts about why we're why we exist pleasure and pain you know a lot of music is playing with that tension of harmony and dissonance a lot of art is playing with the tension of colors that we enjoy versus colors that look a bit uh, that highlight the shadows light and shadows a lot of uh, artistic uh, works I think at least the ones that are good anyway are useful and interesting to people because they show paradox because they show the human experience of uncertainty and of you know that you see what I mean like balancing those metaphysical perspectives I think that's also maybe something to be said for the the human kind of psychological space to be in in that way yeah and it's easy to get that kind of confused and, and mixed up but but I think, you know, like, the goal isn't the animal realm, it's the human realm. And that, and then the reason the goal is the human realm is because of the fact that when you, when you found yourself in the human realm, you are there as a, as a human being vacillating between pleasure and pain. But w through mindfulness meditation, we're able to see our thoughts for what they really are as just thoughts yeah and little urges here and there and realizing and recognizing them for what they are right yeah and and that's a very human thing to sort of have that balance of you know you know it's hard to it's hard to sort of quantify in any real way that's why it's i think best absorbed as a kind of metaphor but yeah mindfulness definitely gives you you know if you've done any meditation practice there is a sense in which once you sort of see how vacillating your mind can be if you really start to absorb how you might say uh, you know how continuous that is there's a sense in which you want to kind of step off the ride right and and maybe you know you notice that your identity is tied to the fact that your mental life is so roller coastery chaotic right yeah and and kind of swaying with the urges the craving yes. the aversions and 
yeah, like like you said, it is so similar to the animal realm, probably because of that, and right. because they both involve that. And and I mean, to fur- furthermore, it's like humans are animals, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So so, but just to build off that, then, so the animal aspect of us, though, is the more reactive, you know, more impulsive component. And so to get into the realm that is called the uh, the animal realm. There is a there's a way in which maybe we see the way a dog behaves and we kind of notice that it's more reactive, notice that it's less se- uh, reflective if I hesitate to say self-reflective because does the dog ha- even have a self, right? Because part of the human <laughs> part of the human yeah. mystery is that we feel like a self, but that's born out of our impulses and our desires and our attitudes but a dog has all those things too why doesn't it like why couldn't we conceive of a dog having a self and it's because we sort of see the reactive nature a bit more prominently in animals than we do in humans it's one of our fundamental ways of separating ourselves i believe emmanuel kant went on about this point all the time about how reason is the faculty which separates us but then you think about how it's kind of absurd. Like, you can imagine if dolphins could talk, they wouldn't be as, maybe as uh, stupid as our, as our ancestors once thought, right? There's a... There's a... <laughs> you're fucking losing it, mate. You're in the hell realm. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. It's all right. I think the trigger-happy fiend is... Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. Yeah, so the the animal realm, though it may be maybe happier in the sense that there's no self to complain, yes, it is a space of more reactivity and perhaps an, an unawareness that we humans can enjoy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think what so, I I would argue that maybe dogs and most animals do have a self, right? Um. But we don't recognize them because we are comparing ourselves to theirs. And I feel like ourselves, we are constantly working on. And if not, if not physically, like at the gym or um, career-wise in the hierarchy at work, it's like, if, if not that, we're always kind of building the story up, this narrative, and, and that feeds into the self, right? And so a dog isn't going to have that story every day of like, why am I doing this? You know, what does this all mean in the, in the grand scheme of me? Um, the dog is just kind of doing things as it feels. And it, yeah, it, it's exactly like, from what I understand, in essence, the animal realm is literally avoid pain, seek pleasure. This thing is nice. I go here. Food tastes good. Food give me energy. Good. Food I've is never good. seen a dog be neurotic. Like I've never. Yeah, exactly right. I've never seen them vacillate between. Uh, is it right or left? Right or left? And that's something that humans get stuck in all the time. It's like so much hesitation of, and yeah, yeah, doubt, self doubt. Yeah. That's where that creeps in, right? Yeah. So that's an interesting way to look at it too. It's that like maybe animals do have a sense of themselves in the world but because they're not really as social as human beings are we, they don't have a more they don't have that neurotic sort of sense of others perceiving them in a way that 
controls much of human behavior you know so much of our behavior as adults once we're conditioned into the culture is to you know sort of as we were talking about in the first segment right obey because everyone else is and there's a sense in which i shouldn't i shouldn't sort of follow my own reaction i should uh, be more socially influenced because that self that more neurotic aspect of my person is more drawn to that kind of influence whereas as you said an animal doesn't have that doubt it's just i'm going to kill this thing or i'm not and you know pleasure and pain as you say are more or less the darwinian forces that rule their mm. their cosmic experience in that way right right and with the animal realm it doesn't encourage any sort of growth from what i can see so when you're there you kind of shut down any conflicting idea anything that might help you see the world in a different way to what you're used to because that's unfamiliar and that the unknown equals pain in a way right so yeah. we, we must okay. avoid the unknown um you know it, we've all been there and that's the thing right like we're not talking about these realms as if um these are the worst people in the world or, or anything of that nature like these this is the crux of all evil like I suppose if you reside there 100% of the time, you might be. You know what I mean? What's there, to, what's there to separate you from a dog, from, from you, from anything that's just kind of self-sufficient behaviors, right? Like, like, personally speaking, if I was in the animal realm constantly, I would never grow. And one anecdote I can think of is on the topic of food. So, to me, a couple years ago, I was just eating anything and everything. Like, you know, I was just trying to fill the void. Maybe that's the hungry ghost, which we'll be leading on to next. But, when consuming everything in sight as a very, just kind of primal urge, yeah, I looked at that with the power of awareness. And actually from a recommendation from a friend that I should entertain the idea of fasting. At first I scoffed at it, <laughs> but then as I kind of applied it more and, and you know gave it a chance, I realized that this is actually one of the best things I've ever done in my oh, life, yeah. is, is to fast, is to just abstain from something to then reinvigorate your sense of appreciation for the thing, for just eating. I took it for granted. I took breathing for granted, you know, like it's not until you <laughs> meditate and then realize how wonderful your breath is as a way to think of uh, refuge. Right. Yeah. I Taking think that's right. breath as a, yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and you're right in, in terms of, that's a great example because you transcend the, or you rather you leave, I suppose, the animal realm when you do practice that delayed gratification, right? Yes. Because so much yes. of the animal impulse is to instantly gratify. As you're saying, the, the shortcomings in this realm is that maybe habits are easy to form, which is sometimes good, right? But, yeah. But those habits, again, you might be attached to those habits. You might be attached to the... And he actually draws a nice comparison between the animal realm and the God's realm in that attachment to those routines is the suffering that's generated because yes. you don't get to go into the human realm when perhaps there's more of a pioneering 
going into the unknown and let's find out like let's let's take my skills let's take my experience and let's find out what's going to happen in this new area of you know transcending you know into the or rather traveling into the new jungle that you just found or something right as opposed to you know being the, the the being that would just you know see that as you know for a long time the desert right was a kind of mystical figure in that it represented something unknown you know for so for so much of human history before we charted the whole earth there was just you know that place there was just out there it wasn't it wasn't there was maybe even a sense of infinity that existed for a lot of you know our yeah. ancestors because they, they just didn't know so to, to be the kind of person that said i'm going to go into that it takes a a kind of a human uh, impulse that that transcends our more animal instinct to to want to covet and to want to get comfortable and and just sort mm. of find our little you know ball of mm. uh hugs and, and chocolate <laughs> <laughs> right yeah 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 and just kind of snuggling up and yeah. and yeah just seeking that pleasure like whatever feels good do it you know like that is fine there's there's really nothing wrong with that uh until that's all you do right right in a sense and um yeah i can see a lot of comparison between the animal realm and the god realm because of the attachment but then it like he also points out that uh with that is ignorance right so attachment is ignorance and it's kind of this paradoxical thing but i also don't really like the the i don't know i don't doesn't really sit well with me the the name of the human realm just because this whole wheel of life is the human condition so right, you're okay, talking you gotta, about you gotta understand that like this was taken literally though so yeah. For a long time, like I, I, I'm with you there. It makes sense in that because we're talking about human experiences and psycho- psychological states. But for and, and Nick Turn alludes to this, a lot of Buddhists really believe that we're in the human realm now, and there are animals, and they're in the animal realm, and there are ghosts, and they're in the hungry ghost realm. Like, and it's more of a, and I could totally understand actually living three, four hundred years ago where you don't understand, you know the earth or the fact that you know, mm. there are hundreds of billions of galaxies, a hundred billions of planets. If you don't understand any of that, you don't have any of that knowledge. You could convince me that, you know, we're in the human realm and animals have their own. Right. And that's why I think it's called the yeah. God realm too, because to, to have, you know, the bliss that to be totally blissed out on the most meditative high you've ever had is to be one with the gods, to, to be in tune with your creative capacity such that you're not thinking of anything else, you're just making something, that's to be in tune with God in, 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 a, in a very human way, uh, to take your point. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like science has ruined that in a way, because it's like seeing is believing. It's a right? very it's so a very interesting point. Yeah. These realms. Wait, yeah. Show me these realms, right? The, the skeptic is saying right now, show me these realms, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. You're, <laughs> You're obviously on some kind of drugs. It's not real. But, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, it's it's the mindset. And I could you can totally see that because whenever you're in any of these realms, it colors everything you do. I mean, we, we can't really emphasize that enough. Like, that's really um, what we're talking about. It's um, these, these are the foundations. And yeah, like just... Yeah. It, it might not be physical. It might not all be what you see um you know there are still a lot of unknowns in the world but at the same time the knowns have kind of squashed out the unknowns in a way 
there is like, a, there's a real sense in which the world is lacking mystery for a lot of people and i totally I, t- I agree i totally agree it's like it's one of the weird problems that's our scientific revolution in terms of really understanding empirically where we are what we're doing at least yeah. to the extent that we do obviously we don't know the whole story but we know so much of it you know we so much darwin transformed so much of how we see ourselves even it, it, a lot of these ideas which would have been taken at face value now can no longer be done and as you as you say that loses a kind of enchantment about the idea it makes it harder to integrate which is why i think we're emphasizing people really try to access a different module right see the metaphorical aspect of it play with the idea you know mm. you can step into different realms in your mind and you can see how there is a way in which thinkers for thousands of years have had insights about their own mind. And mm. in a lot of ways, those insights are more valuable to you than probably your modern schooling. Because guess what? No one talks about any of this shit in school. No one no one tells you about your human mind, yourself, your capacity to change it, if, if it even is there. You know, to what extent to... To what extent can you form a routine? Why are habits, routines even important? You know, we don't yeah. talk about it on that level, and I think we leave a yeah. lot of people lacking because, as you said, they might have never even heard of this idea to be taken and integrated in the way that we're trying to encourage. So well put. Okay, but cool. so, that's, so well uh, put. Where, where but, are we but going? Hey, um, <laughs> but okay, so with that, like, so the the problem with the animal realm, as well as, it, it, like, he 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 points it out. It's very ironic. Like once you're oh, yeah. here, it's hard to get out. Like, it's actually so difficult to get out because the thing is, you're squashing down new ideas, you're, you're suppressing them to then feed into your lifestyle, which is this kind of endless loop. And right. he, he suggests that the, the way out of that is to integrate mindfulness meditation, but to take that one step further. So you start with mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath, sounds, um, having that anchor, and then branching that out to panoramic awareness, um, which is also known as natural awareness, I believe, Diana Winston would say, Um, one where you don't disregard everything in your environment, you become curious and to the possibilities that are out there. So this is this uh, insight meditation he talks about. Right. And, And with this awareness outside of the meditation, you can bring that about your day in a way that will make you open to new ideas, to new ways of life. Um, And kind of this introspective thinking that make you realize exactly how you've been living. Yeah. And the habits in which you have fallen back on time and time again. Right. I, look, this is actually, uh, I hesitate to reference this because it's from a lost episode or maybe a bonus one in the future, but don't you think it's the difference between the human realm and the animal realm? We could like summarize it as saying, the human realm, you're aware of the absurd. And in the right. animal Thomas realm... Nagel. Right. And that's the idea that human beings have this unique capacity to be the ant pushing up the dirt on the anthill but then also we can step outside that and see ourselves as the ant. And it's mm. a thing that animals, from what we can tell, can't really do. And that they're, gen- they're living their life in first-person perspective, in a sense, right? They can't draw back, zoom out. Um, 
I, lo- I don't know who said this, uh, but it was, uh, I wish I knew so I could give credit where it's due. Uh, he said, if in doubt, zoom out. <laughs> right? So yeah. it's, it's kind of implying that if, if you're doubting your experience right now in terms of it not being as good as you thought it would be, uh, or yeah, not what you expected, zoom out to see what is actually unfolding here. Right. And, and that is at the heart of Buddhism, right? It's awareness. Yes. It's yes. just bringing awareness to everything. And, and, and that's another thing, like, the, the Buddha, is, he's not meant to be this unreachable God state that, you know, all Buddhists are on the path to. The reality of that is that the Buddha is a human. And he's come, he has mastered or kind of, yeah, transcended all these realms to the point where he can help everyone out. And that's the legacy he's kind of left for us. And, and lo and behold, it's turned to all religion and it's all, yeah, caught up in all that. Well, there's jargon. also something to be said, as you say, on, on the point of general Buddhism, that it emphasizes enlightenment in this lifetime not as you know it's always a, a moment away yeah. if you're if you're willing to embrace it and and that's in, co- in contrary to a lot of other religions who say enlightenment is after you die it's when you get to see all your loved ones on the in the clouds and get to play table tennis all day that's when enlightenment happens and and i think that the problem with i mean sure that that might help you uh, approach death differently i could see that but i think that prevents you from putting in the necessary i hesitate to say work right now to 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 achieve a sort of more you might say whatever whatever trite words you want to use spiritual wholeness self-actualization whatever uh i think the buddhist emphasis on doing that now is 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 very crucial to why it's an effective pragmatic philosophy no i totally agree um yeah and and just to kind of wrap up the animal realm so we can head off into the hungry ghost let's get ghosty Seems, seems to be your favorite realm. Oh, man. Um, you know, uh, with the animal realm, if this is another way to realize if you're actually here in any given moment, you are dumbing everything down into either good or bad. And this is, at the, uh, again, pleasure and pain. Right. And, and, and with this insight meditation, it's encouraging you to see that itself but also everything in between it okay do you have anything to add to that maybe i think that's that sums it up buddy let's do the hungry ghost so as you alluded to i think this is a great metaphor i mean i just think the i just the image of a hungry ghost a being that is consumed by cravings but ultimately can never satisfy those cravings i think it's like the perfect metaphor to describe some psychological states that human beings have all the time and Mm. and the best examples are i mean there are the obvious ones and nick turn points to those like alcoholics right it's it's not just craving it's it's craving driven by a hole and an emptiness that you kind of know on another level on a, on a more meta level you're aware that it's just a hole and there's no real sustaining contentment that's going to come along with you indulging those cravings but i thought of another example what do you think of this uh i've had a lot of, i've had a few probably too many orders of potato chips this week and 
there is a cops are a good one. Oh my yeah, goodness! Well, it, I'm talking about uh, if you're in if you're in Australia, we have a franchise here called Charcoal Chicken, and just the the chips with the salt they use. I mean, it depends on your local, obviously, but uh, but our one is pretty good. And then you get you get yourself. It's almost nice... like it's cooked in the in the chicken grease and oh. fat, and then you got the chicken salt on top. These are just chicken chips. Like I mean. You can't get any more any more chickeny than that. And and each bite is, I could do this all. Like when I was eating it, I was like, I could do this all day. Like that's. But but there's a there's a hungry ghost esque comp- uh, element to that because, um, <laughs> right. The, the hungry ghost element to that is that you kind of can't stop. Like it's it's so it's it's like you know mm-hmm. that you're just going to be sick and kind of like bloated and like there's no. But it's but that the, the it triggers something so like it hits all that those dopamine receptors so well that you could you just cannot stop that salt combined with the <laughs> deep fried it's just that seems like the perfect metaphor to me where it's like like you do you know you yeah just, that's a never-ending indulgence that you know is not good for you and you do it anyway and you keep doing it because mm. you just get lost in the uh allure of it <laughs> Okay, it, l- l- let me uh, let me spin something on you just real quick. <laughs> I-, I wonder, I wonder uh, if you, how you like this one. So I was actually I was listening to an episode of Under the Skin, uh, Rick Russell Brand's yeah, podcast yeah, with Russell Duncan Trussell. Did you did you see that one? Oh, no, they called it um, did an episode. the Russell. They called it the Russell and Trussell Cosmic Tussle. <laughs> I gotta watch that. No, I'm... it's beautiful. I only saw a clip of it. Um, and this is what uh, Duncan was. Uh, this is exactly what Duncan was talking about to Russell. And he says, "It's funny because he starts off saying, imagine you're a heroin addict.'" And Russell pipes up and goes, "Oh yeah, I was." Um, <laughs> then he goes on to say, "Okay, so that's good. You can imagine that. <laughs> so you're you're a heroin addict, right? And you've been hit over the head." really hard, it's giving you amnesia. So you wake up in the hospital, you're, you're, you're better, you, you don't have uh, any more head injuries, and you wake up, but you have this insatiable craving. You don't know what it is though, because you were a heroin addict, now with the amnesia, you don't know that anymore. So now you, you start going ahead, going about your life, going, trying to fill this hole, right? right? And so you drink a bunch of alcohol, you, 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 you think maybe it's that you start to experiment and see oh maybe it's alcohol maybe it's cigarettes and you just keep going about your life trying to plug this hole inside yourself that you found yourself with and you never it, you, you almost never get around to to try heroin I mean that's probably a, the, the last thing on your list and I think that's just such a, a beautiful way to sum up the hungry ghost realm because um, without us all being heroin addicts we do feel like we're lacking some sort of actualization in our life. Yes. Right? We can. We all feel like we're so close to enlightenment, but also so far. You know? Um, I think, yeah, that, that's beautiful. Like, because it is the case, you know? You feel sad, and you're like, why am I sad? And especially in this <laughs> now day and age, you know, we're, we're extending our, our natural biorhythms with blue light from our phones where you know we're staying up later than ever before we're removing ourselves from nature more so than ever before like this we're, we're messing with with millions of years of human evolution right now in this 
information age we find ourselves in right so yeah so it's it's even more understandable to feel like you're lacking something like there really is something mm. and so that's it we start getting addicted to alcohol and cigarettes and eating copious amounts of carbohydrates and and chicken salt and and searching for something that's going to just relieve that craving just relieve that urge to to want to be able to do more i don't know it, it's it's so interesting yeah it's hard to capture what the craving is right and and through awareness you can kind of figure out what it is you're meant to be doing right you you do you'll eat all these chips and wake up with a stomach pain in the morning and eventually through awareness you can realize hold up i shouldn't I should, <laughs> this isn't helping yeah right? this isn't helping me find my way in this world i think that's that's right the clarity is the antidote and in fact nick turn points that out this quote relates quite significantly to what you're saying the problem with acting like a hungry ghost is that constant anxiety we feel over our dissatisfaction leaves no room for proper appreciation for the development of perspective the hungry ghost mindset upsets our clarity perhaps more than any other realm our psychology powerfully reinforces our habits of cravings with feelings of emptiness and it's an emptiness that we like yeah we can't necessarily put into words sometimes and it's maybe it's a kind of nihilistic yearning for our own meaning as well and 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 there are many examples i i can pick out of my own like a personal one definitely an insight that i've had not just reading this book but you know when the the antidote seen clearly makes total sense to me because without getting into like all the Mm. the drama (laughs) you know uh a lot of the history but with with respect to my family I've thought a lot about fatherhood. I've thought a lot about like the role of a father because my dad wasn't as involved as he could have been and he died when I was 17. And the funny thing is, is that that didn't really impact me for a long time. I didn't have any resentment, but likewise, I didn't really think much about it. It was just kind of like, I'm doing my own thing. He had his problems, tried the best he could, no problem. But it's only in early adulthood that I've, you know, I could, I could indulge in thoughts of like, it's not fair. I, I, I need guidance. So someone should have helped me. It's like, oh, I'm stuck. Right. And what I'm doing is I'm rationalizing my own feeling that I'm not where I want to be necessarily professionally, or I'm not uh, as disciplined or as motivated as I need to be to achieve the long-term goals that I have in place for myself. And so I'm indulging in my hungry ghost thoughts. And, and I want to point this out because the antidote to this, which I've found to be so liberating once I realized it, once you have the insight, is that, well, look, Jay, you had a parent that gave a fuck. How many people out there have no parents that give a fuck? And they're just, they they had no childhood worth, you know, enjoying or even remembering because no one cared for them. No one sacrificed any time. At least I had one person who sacrificed 18 years, gave the best life, right? You know, and a mother, yeah. and a mother that does that is a superhero. And I, and I think that's, that's once, you, once you've now shifted the awareness to that, that becomes a wealth mm-hmm. of 
appreciation and you're like oh that that's the hungry ghost it's when and so you should think of the hungry ghost as being a thing that indulges in thinking as well indulges in endless thoughts of your own needless suffering that is completely pointless and aimless and generates nothing because the truth is even if my father was still alive today he didn't have his shit together he wouldn't be able to give me the guidance that i'm yearning for and you're not cosmically entitled to anything. <laughs> That's the truth of this this situation. So I, I don't know. I just sort of yes. uh, that might relate oh. to someone because a lot of people have you know childhood ruminations that they never outgrow, but that's preventing you from becoming the person you you need to be. And the antidote that I've found is that well, on some level, I need to be my own father, right? If that's a problem with mm-hmm. my own emotional psychology, that's something I need to address. I need to be more on top of that with respect to how I see the situation. You can't just create a illusion and then get upset that the illusion isn't real. It's like you're just gonna endlessly yeah. indulge in the chips. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Bring it back down to the chips again. <laughs> it's the same thing. I love that. That is that is from what I understand the absolute heart of Buddhism in terms of being able to change your situation from from one that is craving into one that is grateful, right? right? Yeah. So you, you've just transformed the resentment of not having a dad in your life to being grateful to for your mom to, for even being there. And with that, you can kind of use it as a launch pad to understand that you are where you are because of that. Exactly. Right? And, yeah, and exactly right. In some sense, having a shit father is worse than having no father. Or an abusive, right? yeah. I, I, That's I, what I have mean. to be grateful that I didn't have that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and it could be yeah. way worse in so many ways. Like, you know... Uh, that's the thing. It's and and being the hungry ghost doesn't allow you to see that, and it, and it prevents you from seeing that. And you can be stuck there again, like Seneca pointed out. You can be you, and vices will consume that you know life. It's it's as simple as that until you're ready to step out of it, right? Mm. And that's the torture. Through the power of your own awareness. That's right, and that's the torture again, of yeah. uh, of that kind of realm. I'm not sure if there are any positives to being a hungry ghost in in terms of uh, Nick Turns' take. Did he did he give any positive sort of are there any aspects of life that one does succeed in by being a hungry ghost, do you think? I don't know. Just realizing that that path isn't going to take you anywhere. Just realizing yeah. that kind of filling that hole with thoughts, with food, with like a craving for love and affection and validation. Um, it's kind of numbness. All too. these things kind of point to the fact that you're lacking self-love, that you're lacking self-compassion, and it does seem pretty um, paradoxical to say, as a hungry ghost, wanting to consume everything and feeling like you're in scarcity and not in abundance. Yeah. To uh, what he says is to cultivate generosity, and it's like, what? I can imagine if you're there, you're like, generosity. I got nothing to give. Last thing in your mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that might be. That's usually the answer, right? It's usually the thing yeah. that you've always brushed aside. You've always said it can't be that. I got to look elsewhere, and you know, that's why you have people on their deathbeds suddenly becoming okay with death after fearing it for so long. Right. It's because of this cosmic perspective of this zooming out that they're almost forced to take. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. So generosity, where he says material generosity, where donating, you give 
you realize that you do have something to give. You really, you feel, you you understand that there is um, a powerful effect you can have on us. It's kind of the idea of uh, enlightened self-interest, right? Right. So the idea that it serves you, it, it makes me feel good to help you. And so that's a kind of selfishness. And that's a hack you can sort of figure out, right? Yeah, you don't have definitely. to. So that it's, it's, again, a problem with the jealous God mindset when you're in the zero sum. You're not realizing that it feels good to welcome someone who you can trust and share companionship and, and help. And and to be a kind of, to be there to help is, is always, to have the capacity to help someone in a way that really affects them. You know, like that's a, that's a great thing. It's, and it makes you feel really good. Like, and that's, mm. that's yeah, the idea of enlightened self-interest where, I would consider myself a selfish person, but not in the way that I indulge on my things. It's that I enjoy, if I'm going to have friends over, I enjoy giving them things. I enjoy, I enjoy feeding, like, you know, having people over, feeding people. Like, just cooking a meal for yeah. someone is, like, the nicest thing, one of the nicest things you could probably do, you know, just to, just yeah. to give. Cultivating a nice, peaceful, happy environment where, where people can feel like they can take a load off and not complain about life for once, you know, like, in their, in their day-to-day definitely no that that's really there's something there that i mean it's definitely it's definitely the case that it cultivates good karma right and and so again so karma the way he describes it is like uh, picture yourself in a fish tank fish bowl and you're circulating and you know you drop some feces right so and then you, you, you talk some shit or something and then so eventually you're going to swim around that same fishbowl and taste the shit that you've just spoke, you just vomited out you, you create your environment yeah you reap what you sow you reap what you sow well put and in that uh, vein the hell realm is where if you're reaping a lot of negative sort of endless endlessly depressing thoughts that is what you sow and the hell realm is where we are so bogged down by our stress and, and aggression at ourselves and at life itself that we externalize our anxiety and our cosmic sense of injustice uh, the quote that i picked out from nick turn says when our minds are completely submerged in anger and resentment we are more apt to treat genuine acts of care or helpfulness with a cynicism or outright disdain and this is him sort of caricaturing the person who's stuck in the hell realm, who's just suffering endlessly. You couldn't possibly understand what I'm going through. Uh, <laughs> and I love that because we've all either been that person or we've known a person where they've been just completely unhelpable from the perspective of solving their mental puzzle, whatever it is. They just have a problem that is that is so overwhelmingly consuming their attention that even your attempt to say, have you tr- should you try this, or, or, or maybe maybe you should think of it this way, every attempt is met with, you just don't know what I'm going through. I'm just I'm just suffering so intensely. You couldn't even possibly imagine <laughs> the amount of suffering I'm going through. It's it's off the charts. At least that's how I kind of hear what he's saying there. Yeah, and it's kind of um, no, it's exactly that. And it, it, like in any attempt to get out of that is filtered through this such narrow perspective of nothing's going to work. So, you know, you try something 
and you realize it's not making you instantly better so it mustn't work and that doesn't work and you know like going for a run exercising that's what people say you should do to cultivate a good good karma and and a and a well-balanced life and everything and so you know you're in the hell realm you go for a run (laughs) you come back and you're like oh i'm just exhausted this was horrible i'm never doing that again (laughs) i'd never entertain the idea of a run or exercise again because you you're taking your subjective experience and funneling funneling it through this truth tunnel and thinking that is truth you know, you're so jaded, you're so lost yeah. in the if you're in that mindset, you don't even realize that the negativity that you're that is circulating your your mental landscape is also touching on the antidotes as well, the the, the secrets. And, and so yeah, you can really get stuck in this hell realm even with people who want to help you, even with people who are presenting very valuable pieces of advice. Because you're viewing that in in that hell realm mindset, in the, the, the mindset that nothing is going to be better. You can't right. possibly see um, the the end of the night, right? You know, like the, the um, as Tupac say, he says uh, the night's always most darkest before the dawn. Right. Right. So yes, yeah. So it's it's so dark, you so pitch black, you cannot even see the sun come up. Um, but when it does. I mean, that's when everything can kind of just wash away. So, right. what would that sun be? What 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 would an antidote be for you? What, what do you think? Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, the antidotes. I think that that's why it's a hell realm, right? Hell's kind of hell is a nice analogy because it captures how jaded, as 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 you said, and to kind of come out of it, I think the only antidote one can have is, and as Nick Turn outlines, is one of noticing that your suffering is a part of the human condition and you can sort of see it mm-hmm. everywhere and you need to build a basis of sympathy for that suffering because it's everywhere it's like if you don't see it in other human beings you're not looking you're just you're just blinded by, so much by your own neurosis and your own mm-hmm. depression and your own inability as you said every every solution is immediately met with your most combative faculties of, but why? It's not going to work. Doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> and you know, I you know, I definitely when you go through a more nihilistic phase of philosophy, one of the questions that you just can't stop asking is, but why does that matter? But why does that matter? Like, does that have meaning? So, so we're you know, but then you think about well, do the opposite. What would have meaning? Like, what kind of world are you are you imagining that isn't that this world isn't living up to? where there could be meaning and once you start to see that from a different perspective like like one of the things that drives nihilists is that suffering is real and it's everywhere and so why are human beings just made to suffer well you're missing the point why human be like we do other things like we make yeah. we make great things we we <laughs> experience meditative bliss we do all sorts of things in other realms and so if you're if you're tr- so transfixed on the suffering and more specifically your suffering then yeah you do you do get so jaded to the point of just being completely unreachable and mm. that's the problem is that socially we always want to help we always want to we want to try and reach out to that person 
but especially if you're in the human realm yeah yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> but we've all been there too i think we've all had yeah. moments of being in a kind of hellish at least for a brief period of time mm. and it's not hard to imagine in the you know epidemic of mental health that we find ourselves in with more depression diagnosed than has ever been in human history it's not hard to imagine that the the hell realm is a very vivid and real thing for many many people and they get stuck there yeah. for potentially years if they're not as vigilant in guarding against their mental stability and they rationalize this is the thing as well it's like i'm not obviously i'm not saying that no one has real depression is not you know a victim of their biology but there is a weird thing where because of the, the way the culture is it's so accepting it's so normalizing I don't know. It's 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 it can be sometimes a question of are we rationalizing our just hu human suffering and and shouldn't we more encourage people to just integrate their suffering in a way that's more creative or adaptive mm -hmm. you know? that you know I know for myself yeah. if I didn't if I didn't express my creative you know potential in in whatever then I would be more consumed with like, well, what's the point? What am I doing? It's just bullshit anyway. I'm just going to this job. I'm just doing this thing. I'm just sleeping and eating and shitting, and it's just it's just going on and on. What's the point? It's like, well, the point is because you can you can. That's like there are other things to do. It's like you don't have to be so transfixed on the fact that you're on 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 one scale. You're an ant pushing you know the the dirt up the mount. It doesn't have to consume you, right? You don't have to be yeah. you don't have to be depressed by it. It doesn't have to be. That's it. A source of endless negative thoughts. You know, you can you can see it from a, a more I don't want to say beautiful, I don't know, majestic yeah. <laughs> Divine. Divine perhaps yeah. if we want to go there. <laughs> if you want to go there, yeah. <laughs> but but one okay, so with the hell realm then too, like, you know, because obviously we've all seen people that go through that and if they're hard to reach and they've sort of maybe diagnose themselves what do, what do you think do, do you talk to that person do you try to level with them and say hey look maybe maybe you're not seeing it from this perspective or, yeah. or maybe you need to just like express this energy elsewhere somehow aggression for yeah. men right exercise as you said even weights i think does a great job for that you know just getting out yeah. that sort of hellish energy i mean it's it's tough man like you know anyone who's in that in the realm and is deep in there, their mindset is naturally not going to be open, right? Yeah. It's very closed up, and uh, it's hard to reach those people, but, you know, you can kind of, yes, you can definitely talk about how, well, <laughs> you, may, you can suggest, and, and, you know, it's hard, it's easy for those in the hell realm to take things personally, so if you were to just suggest, perhaps your perspective is one that is distorted yeah and you know i i know that those in the animal realm will fire up at that and say hold up no you're you know challenging my perspective and i'm comfortable here in the animal realm stop you know and, and they go on the defensive foot so it's possible the hell realm uh I don't, the hell realm residents would, uh, say <laughs> like hotels thing. yeah <laughs> uh, hell realm hotel yeah. yep I like that. I like that. You know, the in Vietnam, antidepressants don't mean a pill, right? It's anti yes, antidepressants. So if, if someone's depressed um, in Vietnam, I believe it was, what they do is they try to figure out what hole is missing in their life, right? And so for, 
he put brought up the example of some sort of rice farmer, and he's going about his day and feeling very bogged down by the mundanity of doing his job. Um, but he, he knows deep down, he really just wants to be a dairy farmer. You know, not a rice farmer. He wants to be a dairy farmer, but he can't do that, right? He doesn't have a cow, and so for them, the people who in his immediate surroundings saw that, asked him what's wrong. He said he wanted a cow. They gave him a cow. He was happy. So that's <laughs> that's very antidepressant. <laughs> in that culture, antidepressant doesn't mean some sort of pill yeah. you pick up at the pharmacy. Magic. It is literally a change of lifestyle, right? And so if you're that's what I would say to the, the person in the hell realm. I would try to figure out what is missing what in their lives. Yeah. Try to try to um, get a gist of their lifestyle in general. Uh, maybe it's not doing any favors. And, and I think more times than not, it really isn't. It's probably keeping them stuck in the hell realm. And that's why they can't leave, right? So it's ever-perpetuating cycle of depress- depression, anxiety, negative thoughts, negativity. and yeah. And, and it feels you know, like the hungry ghost realm kind of pairs nicely with hell. You know, it seems like you could vacillate yeah. between those two for a long time. And yes. <laughs> your attitude, as you said, you know, what are you missing? That seems to be the right question you, you need to ask because I guess I know for myself, it's only when I'm not doing things that I, I enjoy or I, or I don't have time to just like, or, I, or rather I do have time, but I don't have the discipline. And like there's a sense in which you can mourn you know, the fact that you're not as uh, productive as you'd like to be, and that can be- become its own sort of hell cycle of, <laughs> you know, exactly right. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways to get there, and I think you're right in suggesting that you get there by not seeing what you're really, what you really are seeking. Yeah. You know, is it some... Your true self. Yeah, your... or is it some, is it is it a, you know, because I, I know with the, with the nihilist, you know, they, they claim they're seeking meaning but that's that that betrays how much they're suffering about how life is meaningless does that make sense (laughs) yeah 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 i mean uh jordan peterson if he says he says uh you're lacking meaning oh that just means you need more responsibility (laughs) you need something to do. (laughs) responsibility cultivates meaning that's what he said so you know like if there's really nothing going for you maybe get something going and then see how that is kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, clean your room. <laughs> clean your room, right. Start with that. That's a perfect start. Look, you know? look it um, sounds stupid. It sounds stupid. But it does. when it you're does. in the hell it realm, very obvious. when you're in the hell realm, actually, you know, a lot of it is a lack of self-care and you actually physically can't, if your room is like, you know, it's hard to clean up after yourself when you're in this psychological space. I actually really do, you know, understand that. But, mm-hmm. That's why the advice of clean your room is not trite. It's like, okay, you're in absolute chaos right now. Manage the one thing that's local to you, which is your bed, and just keep it clean. And it will make you feel better. It'll be like it will be a step in the right direction if you're at that state. I'm not talking about you know you've got all your you've, you just feel depressed at some aspect of your life and you've got your other shit together. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for people that are just in absolute chaos where they don't have anything going for them and their immediate local environment is is in disarray. You could put that local environment into order in a way that makes you happy and in a way in which, mm. you know, if you're finding that you're eating too much junk food, a way of fixing that problem is to 
stay in that space of resisting. I've got to resist. I've got to resist. Oh, I've had it. Oh, I've fucked up. Oh, I'm the worst person in the world. <laughs> Another way of fixing that problem is just to remove the junk food from the environment. Yes. So, so purge your house. That's so, what they say. You know, you've got a sugar sugar addiction problem. Don't have sugar in your house. So likewise, you're like, not going to eat sugar. <laughs> you can't. You can't, mate. And so likewise, I, and this is what I do with my computer in my room. I I mostly for the week don't have internet i just i just don't have an internet connection there's no need i only yeah. use this machine to 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 do this to potentially make some music to and then and then i'll need the internet to go online get some samples but that's a, that's like a session that's something i'll do um it's you know it's it's like a trip down to the library to enable your internet connection you, know? some, you, you can't be there forever to some degree <laughs> and then and then i'll notice if it stays if that cord stays in the computer for too long i might be opening up a few games might be and then, and then it becomes okay now i need to take the step to just remove the cord i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like waste time and then and then feel like I didn't use my time wisely and just go into that cycle. You have to you have to take that meta level step if you if you really feel like your life is in chaos in areas where you want to impose order and discipline, you need to take those environmental steps to because because I don't know what you think about this, but for me it's like I need to understand that like on some level I am just an ape and I like I need to it, it, it's a gift to the future version of my ape self that I'm going to make it easier for him. I'm not going to... Because one problem of being in the hell realm too is that you almost sabotage yourself at every occasion. Like you, you, mm. you don't allow yourself the freedom to thrive because you're not even taking care of the most basic things you need to take care of. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like um, cleanliness is next to godliness. A clean mind is a <laughs> clean mind. Yeah, you can kind of think about things a lot more clear, clearer. And if your room's all messy, then so is your mind, right? So it's like you're thinking in foggy thoughts, and yeah, every kind of opportunity to break out of that, you squash down because yeah, it's just this perpetuating cycle. What's the point? I'm not worthy. It's like you get you get stuck in this like, oh, I'm not even worth it, and it's like, well. Yeah, yeah you, you are and until you realize that you, you will be stuck there but it's like and it's and yeah to see people going through it it's, it, it can be very mm. it can be very and struggle it, it can it makes it makes you feel almost like you have to disconnect from them because it, be, it can become toxic and infectious it's like it's its own kind yeah. of uh you feel guilty for being happy like right. and just for yeah getting some simple pleasures and uh, that's just messed up, you, man. You like, become resented you know, because, you know, you, you were the chosen one that got to not have this, be afflicted by my, you know. Like, that's kind of the attitude. You're right, yeah. So, so Nick Turn, he says that um, uh, the way out, the way out of this realm is to cultivate loving kindness, which is obviously, mm. again, the last thing you would be thinking about, mm. um, the last thing you would be willing to try but you know if you if you're able to it all starts with you right if you're able to cultivate self-love then you can express that into the world as well like it all it all starts with you you can't you can't rely on other people to bring you happiness you know because at one point down the line someone has to do the happy yeah someone actually has to be happy if you're relying on others for happiness you know they call this the altruistic lifestyle yeah yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson also has a line that relates to that. You got to take care of yourself as if you were responsible for yourself. Like 
like as if yeah. as if you would be a, like a babysitter you got to treat yourself as like in that vein and loving kindness meditation it sounds again i definitely uh you know rolled my eyes a few times doing it for the first few times and, yeah. but but it's but you really do realize it's a kind of hack because you you, you place your attention on you know like a maybe a, a parent or a uh, or a close family member or friend that love is very easily summoned and you just move that to different areas different images you have where love is a little hard to summon and it sounds weird but once you do it to yourself there is a deeper appreciation you start to have it's like you can form a different relationship to your as they call it the monkey mind you don't <laughs> and loving kindness is the is the vehicle it's it's being able to see mm. yourself and your thoughts as kind of infantile but also beautiful in that sense in, in that they are in that you're this continuous thing and loving kindness also extends to if you're capable people who have done horrible things because you're, you're sort of trying to flex a muscle that is aware of the intrinsic nature of human beings being good being always having the potential for for beauty and yeah. good even when they have committed a murder or even when they have done some heinous crime they still have the buddha nature in them and loving kindness is the mechanism by which you realize that not only for the people in which we're supposed to hate in society but the people like yourself like like ourselves like that that are when we're trapped in a like you hate me is that what you're saying that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right <laughs> when i'm in, when I'm, when we're in hell realms i think we hate everyone we just lash out oh. and it's that's just, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no one's uh immune from the targeting system of the hell realm so that's need, for sure yeah so so yeah but like loving kindness you know um it's it's a way to strip away all of this negative baggage that's yeah. weighing us down and what is left is this potential for love and growth and and it, and it cuts deeper to the core of realizing that we are not so different yeah it's, it's mere thoughts that separate us it's mere experiences that um that cause me to be angry at someone as opposed to someone else tolerating that yeah right? And and my suffering is not unique to me. I don't own it. I don't have any privilege on it. It doesn't give me like that's the problem with the hell realm is that suff suffering become becomes a perverse form of meaning. It's like this is what this is my meaning because I suffer. This is how I know I exist because I suffer, and that's that can be its own like self perpetuating loop. I think and and you know it's mm. interesting. You know both of us. I don't we, we haven't really had any trauma. Or like or what you would describe as trauma and, I, and i'd be interested to know how a you know a person with real trauma would deal with coming out of it but i think people that do go through it and if you listen to them they all say things like you know to people who have really sort of transcended their their trauma they say things like you know i don't hate the person or i don't like, like I, I regret that that happened to me but that was a sick person and i don't i don't ha like like you know what i'm saying yes. there's a level yeah, that yeah. sometimes you get to and I'm not saying everyone should, and I'm not saying everyone's capable of getting there. I'm not saying that we all, you know, it's it's a kind of like transcendence, like a real transcendence to get there when someone's done something so horrible to you. But like, it, it is mysterious that sometimes the attitude is, look, I don't hate them. They, they were just a sick person and I've gotten mm. over it. And so, you know, whatever, you know, uh, they they have the Buddha nature. And, and it's like, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a level of like, 
understanding that I don't know if I could get to that if I, you know, was the victim of anything horrible, like, you know, sexual mm. violence or anything like that. You couldn't imagine, right? It's crazy, but, you know, the, the people who are carrying this traumatic baggage, it's they are more likely to be enlightened than exactly yeah. people who aren't, right? That's, that's, so it's like, that's, the mis- that's the paradox, I suppose, yes. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the insane part about it. That's the uh, most unbelievable, you know, like, yeah. I, I love this part, I just, this quote, he says, um, you know, on a beautiful sunny spring day, everybody may look great and we may more easily feel in love with everything and be happy. And he says, causes and conditions set the stage for our attitudes toward the world, and we can and do affect those causes and conditions. So it really is in our power to be able to change this landscape, to be able to alter the filter that is inherently affecting every experience how we perceive it as good and bad and and that's that's just it like the same exact stimulus could be going on for someone and they could be hating it and that on the flip coin someone else who has cultivated loving kindness who has premeditated on adversity is more capable of dealing with that Right. right. Yeah. That it's same exact stimulus. It could be, could be a loud noise. Yeah. Right. And and someone's happiness could go up. And imagine that. That is a superpower right then and there. Right. Like that is the power to choose how you take on this stimulus. I just thought of another example. What about being in like a waiting room, like a doctor's waiting room or something? That, that's- <laughs> yeah. That's that's <laughs> a beautiful example. You know, people are just in agony sitting there not knowing what to do with themselves twiddling their thumbs and then there's the one guy who's just like oh, i could sit here all day i'm just you know right yeah <laughs> have you seen have you seen community you know that's arbed and the the psychological experiment yeah. the social experiment they they play oh, on they, everyone slowly drops like flies and cracks and arbed sitting there like this is great i love this yeah. you know and it's it's the joy of being right it's that too it's like just finding it's it's finding something to be curious about even in times where curiosity seems to be scarce. Well, to, to bring it back, you know, full circle, around the wheel and yes. back to the book. Oh, that's it. Um, David Nick turned, like, I just, like, just to kind of sum up my thoughts about the book, I think that it's, it's, it's such a accessible way to learn about Buddhism without kind of, you know, religious stereotypes really seeping yes. in. Um you know, you could just come at it from a purely curious point of view. Um, it works for us because we're already kind of interested, but, you know, it's such a good starting point. And, uh, you know, a lot of skeptics for Buddhism, they say, oh, you know, that's great for the Buddha sitting under the tree 2,500 years ago. But, you know, I'm busy. I live in the city. You know, this is just... So, you know, this book, especially the way he's put his spin on it is that it's better utilized in the contemporary viewpoint so you know it much more easily relatable for us Mm. rather than looking at i don't know what would create suffering 2500 years ago prior to everything we know in our life when we're living in caves and shit so yeah so you know and and it's, it's just it's it's amazing to me that it's 
ever so relevant as well. Yeah, given exactly. Given the time yeah. that it was, the era in which it was cult, like, it was invented, you know? Like, yes. Yeah, that, that's the most amazing uh, stuff. alluring element to it to me too, is that you can, you don't have to, you know, I think maybe a lot of people have the attitude that, you know, history is history and we're at the pinnacle of human evolution now, so why ever look back? Uh, and, 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 you know, these people tend to be like futurists, right? They tend to be completely transfixed on human humanity's, like uh, uh, humanity's inevitable uh, transference to some synthetic technological <laughs> mind, you know? Um, but the truth is the human mind that you have, the human mind that I have, is the same human mind that existed 10,000 years ago. It, it, hasn't, yeah. it hasn't changed. The only thing that has changed is our environment and our culture. Yes. And our environment so does not resemble our evolutionary nature at all. It's a completely new environment. And the only thing we can take into the new, new environment is our mind. And Buddhism, you know, whatever you think about it, I do really do consider it a, a kind of scientific-esque uh, endeavor to transfer these basic lessons about the mind. And I think a lot of modern psychology has actually vindicated Buddhist philosophy as opposed to most scientific endeavors, which sort of explain away the religious aspects. I think Actually, it's the case that modern psychology has vindicated a lot of the Buddhist literature on how the human mind works and has actually shown it to be true in the sense that we, for instance, have a negativity bias, for instance, like that, that we feel yeah. that, uh, you know, that the Four Noble Truths, for instance, you could see that in a lot of how, how psychology is, is as structured in the modern era. And yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. That these are lessons that people still need and and that we ought to make as vocal and as explicit as we can so hopefully we've at least done some aspect of that here <laughs> and there you go there's no, a little, little taste of eastern wisdom for today ladies and gentlemen and that's gonna do it we'll see you on the next mate date you by being this organism Call into being the whole universe of light and color and hardness and heaviness and everything. You see? Next to you is show me your ego. I want to see this thing that has a problem. <laughs>